Good morning, Sunrise. Welcome to worship here on this beautiful summer Sunday morning. Welcome to all of you guys online with us as well. If this happens to be your first time, there will be a link that will pop up. So you guys click on that, bring it to our connection card on our worship, on our, our uh, website. You can fill out a couple of questions, and we'd love to connect with you, answer any questions you have, and um, just meet with you. And if you're in the service here for the first time, same thing. There's a little QR code in front of you that you can click on that will bring you right to the website in that same spot. Fill out a little questionnaire and uh, have some uh, answers we have for you as well. And if you do happen to be in the service for the first time, we also have one of these really cool gifts to give you if you want to head back to the Connect table at the end of the service. Someone will be there to talk with you, to answer any questions you may have, and give you this cool little gift. So welcome on this beautiful day. I want to read a verse from Psalm to kind of get our hearts and our minds ready for worship today. So hear these words from Psalm 28. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and He helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and my song, and with my song, I praise Him. So why don't you guys stand with us as we worship, as we sing, as we bring our joy and our praises to the Lord this morning. the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out of your house of the Lord, our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet, we shout out your parade. We sing to the God who heals, we sing to the God who saves, we sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung upon that cross And he rose up from that grave My God still rolling stones away There's joy in the house of the Lord There's joy in the house of the Lord today And we won't be quiet We shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord Our God is surely Shout out of your grace. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Sing it out. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out of your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. Yeah, we shout out of your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out of your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. 
here on earth but one day more fully and God even though we can't grasp it completely we can't understand it completely help us to keep wanting more and to know you more to let your spirit fill our hearts and our lives and not hold parts of us back from you, but just to open ourselves to you and let you change us. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness that you never change and that even when we make mistakes, you you don't. You love us and you have that perfection, God, and just... Thank you. Help us to know you more. Open our ears even this morning as we hear from your word and uh, just let our hearts be sensitive to you um, throughout our days and throughout this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Yes, can be seen. Good morning. How's everybody doing? All right. It's good to see you guys. <clears throat> Whether you're here for the first time or you've been here for a while, you're joining us online or you're in the room, we're glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Dan Fisher, and my back hurts. Um, I have learned, and all of us know this if we really pay attention to life, that getting older is really uh, a bit of a journey of figuring out that we are not in control, right? <laughs> 
We can't just know some things. We have to love some things like our bodies. I mean, growing up, I was the kid who played all kinds of sports. Uh, I stretched when I was on a team, and we were forced before the game started to stretch. Uh, As I grew up and started doing long-distance running, did I stretch even though I knew that was what I was supposed to do? No, because I knew my body, but I didn't love my body. My body's job was to love me. You guys, you get where I'm going here? We get older and we realize as much as we know our bodies can eat sugar, like Swiss cake rolls, Yum. We also know that those calories love to stick around. And we have to love our bodies differently. We can't just know them. You learn this, I learned this in college too. I signed up for a math class. Uh, I would like to think that it was a really difficult math class for everyone because it was difficult for me. Difficult that, so much so that I would show up and couldn't even remember if we had a quiz or a test or what homework was due. Because I knew about math and I knew I had to be there, but I loved playing pool. So when I was at Cornerstone, I'd show up in math class and they would say, all right, turn in your homework. And I'd lean to the, over to the guy next to me and ask, we had homework? You guys know as well as I do in math, you have homework all the time. I knew what I was supposed to do, but I didn't love my assignments. I loved playing pool. I'd show up at the pool table and I could beat people. I was really good at it. If I could have gotten a degree in playing pool, I would have had it, but not in math. I know how to take good care of a lawn. My lawn is green year-round because those weeds are hardy. (laughs) But I do not love my lawn the way that Keith Van Heitzma loves a lawn. I look at a lawn and I see green and I say, God, thank you. Keith can look at a lawn and love it in such a way that he can discern between good green and bad green. My knowing about my lawn looks like me mowing it maybe once a week. If it doesn't rain very much, then once every two weeks. And I think I can hear Keith grimacing in the background. Because that's not how you take care of a lawn. (laughs) You feed it. You water it. If you love your lawn, it'll look good. If we want what's best in life, we can't just know things. To some extent, we have to love things. I I know a guy who married a woman, um, and he told her that he loved her. But as their marriage went on, she realized that he didn't really love her. He knew her enough to know how good her credit score was, knew where she would or would not be keeping an eye on things. So he gained enough information to gain the power that he needed because his own credit was wrecked. And he still had this side gig, this side need, this side love of drugs. And he knew that his wife had the things that he wanted that could empower him to pursue the things that he loved. Not his wife, he knew her. Instead, he pursued at great cost to his wife, unbeknownst to her, by taking her credit card and using it without her knowing it, opening up new credit cards without her knowing it, skyrocketing those bills and not paying it off, buying and selling drugs. See, he knew his wife well. He knew how to play her. He knew how to get the power that he wanted, but he did not love her. And so when she found out what he knew, she left him. Because presented with the choice for him to love his wife, or to continue just knowing her, he said, I'm out. I want to know you, but I don't want to love you. Getting a little bit closer to home here, we see and hear 
the news often about groups of people who are in need. I've stood up here and talked with us about some folks on the other side of the world. Or before the pandemic started, we talked about people in our neighborhoods who needed help. We knew about them. And the invitation was there for us to love these people. See, we can know about all of the kinds of different needs that there are in our community, in our country. It's one thing to know about them. We can recite the statistics. We can hear the stories of the disenfranchised. We can hear the stories of those who don't know Jesus or hear the stories of minorities. We can know all of those facts extremely well, and yet you and I can still choose to love something else. And when we do that, we don't get the lawn that we want. We don't get the marriage that we want. And all of this directly overlays into the story of the gospel and the invitation of God himself through Jesus for us to not simply know God and to know Jesus, but to take it a step further and to love him. We all feel that tension, right? I'll learn those Bible verses. I'll go to small group. I'm going to know the order of the books of the Bible because that's what every good West Michigan person does. I know that's what I did, but I was a Southern Indiana boy at that time. I'm going to know the right things to do. And when I can, I'll do everything I can in the church to get a better standing because I know what I'm supposed to do. This is a little bit of a difficult conversation for us to have, right? Because in having this conversation and being honest about it, we open up our own hearts to recognize that instead of investing our time in the homework of God's kingdom, we're out shooting pool. We see a man in the book of Acts, Simon is his name, that Luke tells us about, who has this same kind of struggle. What Simon loved... And what Simon knew were two different things. See, Simon knew about Jesus. Simon is someone who likely heard the gospel. But he's somebody who is also, instead of just knowing the gospel, knowing who Jesus was, decided instead to love himself. Not to love this Jesus, not to be compelled by the movement of God's work in the world to say, you know what, I see and I can love this God who even if we had numberless quills and all of the oceans were turned into ink, it wouldn't give us enough that we would need to describe God's love for us. Where instead of coming to us and asking, okay, what's your credit card look like? Jesus instead comes to us and he says, I'm going to love you. I'm not going to just know your statistics. I'm not going to know, only know, the ways you have been disenfranchised, the way you have been mistreated because of the way that you look. I instead am going to step into your world, and I am going to love you. Would you love the world, and would you, creation of mine, love me enough to step into the world in the same way? This is the question that the writer of Acts, his name is Luke, is surfacing in this passage of Acts chapter 8. So we read a story about Simon the sorcerer. And in this, this is where we're going to anchor our thoughts. It is not enough to know God and his people. We must love God and his people. If you're tired... Last night was a long night, you're up with the kids, whatever it was, you're here because somebody dragged you here, you can go to sleep. This is the bottom line for today. But if you want to stay awake, follow along in Acts chapter 8. Luke writes these words, and Saul approved of their killing Stephen. So remember last week, Stephanie not only made fun of me for not advancing the slides at the right time, some of you are here, um, But we also heard the story of Stephen, the first Christian martyr, the first person killed for following Jesus. And Saul is the person who approved of that. He was kind of the the leader of the charge there. On that day, the day that he was killed, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. I have that highlighted because if we're paying attention to the book of Acts, we can see a much greater 
picture being developed. If we go back to Acts chapter 1, we see that Jesus told his disciples, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses where? Jerusalem. And in all? And? And? To the ends of the earth. One of you read that with great gusto. I like that. So we see, as Luke writes this story, the movement of the gospel, moving out of Jerusalem through the persecution of Saul, and that all of the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. This is a pretty cool thing. Luke sees God making a promise through Jesus that the gospel will make it throughout the world, and even in the midst of great tragedy of people being killed for following Jesus, for saying, I will love him and not just know him, The gospel of Jesus Christ moves forward. So godly men buried Stephen. They mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Huge threat to the church. Literally someone who has been given the authority and the responsibility of coming into gatherings like these to find people who are not supposed to be there because they're originally part of Saul's squad and clandestinely take them out and kill them. This is devastating for the church. So Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. So we've got all these Christians who are scattered everywhere, all these people who are following Jesus and who are saying, you know what, I want to step into not just knowing this story of Jesus, but of loving him. And so they're scattered, preaching the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in... Samaria. So this is this particular area, Samaria, and he proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip, they saw the signs he performed, they paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was great joy in that city. When I was in math class in college, there were no great shrills. I mean, in my heart there were, because we had a test today and I didn't know about it. I should have, but I didn't. But I perked up when it came time for the grades to come out. I began to watch very closely because there were people in the class who sat next to me who had great grades because they sat next to me. My grades weren't so good. (laughs) And so as every responsible student would do, I went to those folks who had great grades and asked for a little bit of help. This is a pattern I developed back in high school. I didn't pay attention and write down my homework assignments that were due because I had great friends who had lockers next to me who kept track of all of that stuff and could let me know what homework was due. I didn't have to pay attention. In the same way, in some sense, as people are looking at their lives, they're seeing that there's this movement of God where there's something that's happening that's attracting the attention of the people around them in such a way that it can inform them, this is what my life is supposed to look like as I step away from the lockers of learning and into the life that I'm supposed to live. And so this gets all kinds of people surrounding these apostles, this apostle specifically named Philip. Now, there's this man in Samaria who Luke wants us to know about, and here's where we meet someone who embodies what I've been telling you about so far. Pay attention here. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He had a following. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, short and tall, high society, low society, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. This is the guy who's figuring out life. Let's follow him. He's doing some really cool stuff. This guy has a great credit history. He's somebody who can give us some form of power so that we can continue to follow our loves. Let's connect to him. So these people followed Simon because he had amazed them for a long time with the sorcery when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, and Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. 
So you've got this guy, Simon. He's got a great racket going on. He owns the corner. He's got all these people following him, saying that he is the great power of God. And if we look through history, this is what Simon is doing all throughout. If you've heard about Gnosticism, this movement that grows up in and around the church, but is a heresy in the church, Simon is the one who's at the very beginning of it. His claim, as he talked to the people of Samaria, was, if you follow me, then you'll hear the truth about God. You'll hear that, in fact, it was not God who created the world, but it was fallen angels. And I am the great power of God who will come to Jerusalem as God's son. I will come to Samaria as God's Holy Spirit. I will go to the ends of the earth as God the Father. That's a little bit messed up. I don't have it in the right order, but we'll have it on the slide coming up. But we have here is a man who is saying, I want you to follow me. I have the answers. And he begins to move closer and closer and closer to the people who we call apostles who seem to know this Jesus and to love him well. And he gets close enough to know all he can, to learn all he can about this Jesus. So when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. Remember, we have the apostles who are... Uh, First in Jerusalem, then they spread out to Judea and Samaria, and Samaria is one of the locations that we've been looking at, where Philip is, where Simon the Magician is. But the apostles over here find out that Philip is making progress. He's making headway. There are people who are moving from just knowing God to loving him, and so they come close to find out what's going on. So they send Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They'd simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. There's a ton of conversation that can be had around just this part of the apostles giving the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. All of this kind of stuff can come in, and there are good questions for us to ask, but I want to suggest that for the sake of this conversation this morning, we can set these things aside and simply recognize the fact that God's church is moving, and it is growing, and His Holy Spirit is present in His people. Simon sees all of this. He saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, and he offered them money. (laughs) And he said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. This would be like me going to Keith and saying, Keith, and I've actually done this, you have turned the lawn around Sunrise Ministries into a lush garden. It's beautiful. You drive by the property here, it's amazing. There are no weeds anywhere. Hey, Keith, how much money could I give you for you to make my lawn look like that. That just seems like a subtle question. It is. There's nothing wrong with that question per se. But the intention there is, I want my lawn to look this good. People are watching me. I mean, I'm a pastor in the area. Yeah, my lawn is green, but it doesn't look like this. Could I give you money so that Not only could my yard look good, but I could in some way just make other people's yards look good with just a word. Because that's all it seems Keith has to do is just give his words and wave a magic, I don't know, lawn propeller blade over the lawn, and it looks good. It's all about me. (laughs) I want power. I want to look good so that when people are following me, which they already are in Simon's case, I have more credibility. So what's it going to cost? What do I need to give you to have this power? There's no question here from Simon, what do I need to do so that I can live into the life and into the story of Jesus? There are many people who come to the church, and they don't come asking how can I live in the same way that the apostles were living? That's a question of humility. Jesus, I know what it is that you have asked us to do, what you have commanded us to do. I know that at sunrise our goal is to, as we put it, transform the world with God's grace and love. The humble question is, God, what do I need to do so that I can do that well? 
gaining a following or not. But Simon's question is, what do I need to pay you? What do I need to do? What hoops do I need to jump through in order for me to look good? I don't know what questions you ask as you come to not just sunrise, but as you come to the feet of Jesus, as you encounter his story of loving people well. But in the quiet and privacy of your own mind, just simply answer the question. Do you come to know Jesus? Do you come to bring out of your back pocket whatever you need to try to get God to give you something? Or do you come and in essence, pull your heart out of your chest and say, God, this is who I am. And I love you so much that I see that my life does not align with your story and your life. What do I need to do? When we understand that there's this contrast and Simon is solidly over here asking for power, it makes sense that the apostles would respond in this way. Peter says, look, may your money perish with you. Because you thought that you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness. Repent is a word we've heard all the time if we grow up in the church. It means reorient your life. Figure out that Jesus' life and his way of life shows that yours is not right. And instead of saying, hey, would you... Tell me what it is I need to give you so that I can get power from you. God, would you show me what it is that I need to do so that I can love people the way you have loved me? So Peter says, reorient your life. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. These are hearty words. When I wake up on a Sunday morning, these are the words I want to hear. You are full of bitterness and captive to sin. We grew up in a world where these are just not things that you say to people. But the honesty of Luke and the truth of the gospel is here in these words. If I am coming to this church as pastor, you guys know pastors who do this, to simply know sunrise... I'll do whatever I can to make sure I have a great resume. We'll do certain programs. We'll get people who are coming, numbers up. We'll get lots of money coming in. I might even do some under-the-table kinds of things. But if I love Sunrise, I will be here through the tears. I will invest my life in your lives. There are pastors I have worked with in the past at places you don't know, you don't know these pastors, who have said to me, I don't love this church, I'm here because it's a job. You know, when you're on the receiving end of that statement, that that's not the way things should be. It's not enough to just know. Because when you just know about a church, and it's just your job, then you are there for yourself. You want a pastor who loves you. You don't just want a God who knows you. You want a God who loves you. And if that is the case, then what do you think the world around us wants from us? To know them? To know their stats? To know where they live? To know that they have difficult times in life? Or do they want us to step in and love them, setting our own resumes aside so that we can be a reflection of God in such a way that they could join us in singing songs about God's love through his people being so great and so strong that the oceans don't contain enough water to become ink to praise God for his goodness. So Simon, out of self-protection, says, all right, guys, listen, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have that you've just said may happen to me. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. <laughs> Simon doesn't even say, look, you guys, you know what? You're right. You've helped me see that I'm in this for myself. Would you help me reorient my life? 
Now, this is a story that can sound really, really judgmental. Like, whoa, these guys are really rough on Simon. And then as the story gets closer and closer to home, we can see how we ourselves live like Simon at times. And we don't want to hear the words, your heart is full of bitterness and you're selfish. You can't have a part of this ministry. What's beautiful in this is that it is the love of God that continues to say, I want you here. Remember, we serve a God who doesn't just know us, he loves us. And so when we make the decisions like Simon does to say, I'm in this for power, I'm in this for me to look good, the invitation is always there to reorient our lives back to Christ. And that's a beautiful picture of the gospel. The question that Luke is surfacing in this story, I believe, is do we, like Simon, simply know God and his people? Or do we, like the apostles, choose to love God and his people? Choosing to love God and his people, it's not sexy. (laughs) You don't have many newspaper articles written saying, this group of people right here, they really love Jesus. I've not seen one of those newspapers. You do see newspapers all the time about how these people positioned themselves well too. Which do we want? Do we want to be a church? Do we want to be a people who know God, know his people, Do we want to be a people who love God and love his people? And in the midst of an up and down journey where we're persecuted, where we're scattered, where we're kept together, we can still see the movement of God and his love working through us in such a way that it's not just impacting Jenison and Hudsonville, Jerusalem, but it's also impacting greater Michigan, Judea and Samaria. It's working out beyond the edges of even Michigan's borders to the ends of the earth. I want to submit one last time that if our goal is to know God and to know his people, that that's not enough. We need to be a people who instead, come on, I put too many slides in here for this morning, who instead love God and his people. This is the invitation from Jesus. It's the invitation from Luke. It's the invitation that Simon rejects. God, we come to you as people who like to maintain power, who want to create it, who want to hold on to it, who frankly don't want to share it. And we can confuse you to be like bosses or parents or coworkers or whoever who seem to just want us to jump through certain hoops in order to be loved or to have power. But God, in your story, we recognize that you come again and again and again and again to your people, and you don't ask us to just know your story. You ask us to simply love you, to love you through the desert while we're trying to find the promised land, to love you while we are being persecuted and the church seems to be dying to love you when you're doing exceptionally wonderful things that's calling all kinds of people to you and to love you in the way we approach other people. So God, I confess, we confess the times when we settle for just knowing you. God, I pray that you would help us to look at our lives this coming week and ask ourselves, not can I just know what God wants me to do in this week, God, would you help us to answer the question, how can I love you this week? In Christ's name, amen. So out at the table here, you'll find these pieces of paper. This has all kinds of information on it about different things that are happening at sunrise, through sunrise. There are a couple things I want to point out to you. We've got a summer movie night coming up on July 20. There are three movie options up there that uh, our children's director has put up. Some of your kids have voted on that. I don't remember which one is in the lead. Do any of you? No one does. Okay. Check out Facebook. There's going to be a movie on July 20th at 7.30 here. Uh, Next Sunday, we're going to do a service at Hager Park, provided that it doesn't rain. It's going to be on the south end of the park. You'll see signs as you come into Hager Park to help you find us. So we will not be here. We'll be at Hager Park, same time, 9 o'clock. 
Uh, everybody's welcome. We've got Water Wars coming up for the students and a playground, playground play date coming up for kids too. So make sure you grab one of these. It's got the times, locations of all kinds of different things that are happening. At the end of every service, we give an opportunity to respond uh, to what God has been leading us to through the time of singing, through the time of listening, through the time of just interacting with God's Spirit. As part of that, we give you an opportunity to give financially. Some people will want to respond in that way. Some of you can't respond in that way, and that's okay. There are many other ways to respond, to reorient our hearts, our minds, our way of life away from just simply accumulating power or looking good, but to pivot instead toward loving God in a way and that it mimics his love for us. Of saying, it's not my priorities, it's not my power that's most important, but it is using the love of God in my life to love others so that they can see and know the same love of God that I have. Help us do that. We'll sing a song. So 
grace in his eyes if grace is an ocean we're all seeking and heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss and my heart turns violently inside of my chest and i don't have time to maintain these regrets when i think about hurts and it needs to be made right again and I've got this physical therapist who's telling me that I need to love my body and invest my life differently so that my body can be made right again our world and our hearts long to be made right again and we have a physical therapist who is telling us that the way we do that is to invest our lives differently to not just know our God in heaven but to reorient ourselves so that we do the things he's called us to do so that we can become the full people he's designed us to be. As you go into this week, may you know that you serve and follow a God who does not just know you, but who loves you. Have a great week, Sunrise. We love you guys.